Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an update on the province's corn and sunflower crops. Also, we'll catch up with the Green Party and talk about the upcoming election. And up first in today's country comment, John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research will stop by to discuss this morning's Stats Canada stocks report. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Statistics Canada released its July 31st stocks report this morning. We got the details from John Drieger, Vice President of Leftfield Commodity Research. The numbers came in a little higher, I think, than folks were expecting uh, in terms of, of at least what StatsCan reported. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone knows how high prices have been, how tight the market has been. And so I, with, with that, I think most analysts were looking for maybe some smaller stocks numbers, at least in terms of the official data. StatsCan did come in a little bit higher. Uh, you know, in some cases, not dramatically. So, for example, in something like, like wheat and, and oats, uh, a couple of those crops, uh, the cereals, uh, a little on the higher side. And, and part of that is, uh, you know, one of the... In terms of their, their feeding number, I think some folks were thinking that maybe there's a little more of that crop that was fed. And, and some of that you know, comes down to how some of the data is calculated and so forth. Um, maybe the one outlier you might suggest is, is canola. That is a number that was substantially above what, uh, what, what the market was, was looking for. Uh, down quite a bit from last year, but still much higher than, than folks were thinking. Certainly, we all know how high canola prices have been. Uh, we know buyers have been aggressive, uh, aggressively trying to, to get canola out of farmers' bins. And uh, according to StatsCan, there's probably, you know, they would suggest there's more canola on farm at the end of July than I think is likely. So that number is maybe a little overstated. Uh, and, you know, part of that is also uh, uh, typically, you know, that number might have been done by a survey in, in early August, for example. Uh, one of the things that uh, they did this time around is, is they sort of implied an on-stock farm number from uh, surveys that were done maybe earlier in uh, kind of in June. And so there's uh, maybe some assumptions built in that maybe uh, cause some questioning of what that final number is. But uh, uh, either way, that's, uh, you know, numbers a little bigger than folks were thinking. But probably from a broader market perspective, I don't think it's going to have a big impact. Any um, other numbers that stood out for you here? Um, just uh, looking here at, um, we got uh, barley, oats, or, or uh, dry peas or lentils. Yeah, the, the peas and lentils came in a little lower than we were thinking. So in terms of the pulses, the, yeah, not dramatically, but uh, but a touch on the lower side. You know, one of the things they did show was a little higher domestic use for those. Uh, it's, it's a little hard in terms of exactly uh, how you, you get that domestic use number because, you know, there might be a feeding component, for example. Uh, it might also be reflective of maybe some more processing capacity, uh, for example, with peas on, on in Western Canada. Maybe that's starting to show up in the data a little bit, so... So in terms of the pulse, is a little uh, a little smaller than expected. So, yeah, and, and again, you know, on the cereals, maybe uh, you know, slightly above. But as you back into some of the feeding and some of those things, it's uh, again not numbers that are uh, able to be measured as precisely as, for example, exports. You know, where you can kind of measure ships going out. Something like feeding is sort of implied with what gets used on farm, and, and that's not the sort of thing that is that is measurable. So, so I, I think for a lot of those crops, kind of within the you know, maybe on the higher side, but kind of within the spectrum of what uh, what folks were thinking. Uh, again, maybe the big outlier is, uh, is is canola, and the one that would sort of jump out is, is seemingly, uh, you know, being too large. Does a report like this have much of an impact on the markets? 
You know, I, I don't think so. You know, even for example, this morning you might might say that the canola number would be a, a bearish number, sort of taken at face value, and we have canola trading modestly higher. So I, I think it's a, a number that's kind of taken in stride by the trade. I, I think either folks will sort of question it a little bit, or you know, as much as anything, uh, just kind of focusing uh, maybe rightfully on the small crop that we're taking off right now in Western Canada. Uh, difficult summer for growing conditions. Uh, a lot of demand that's going to have to get rationed out. And I, I think that's really where the focus is for the market. So as much as, as maybe a report like this is helpful for uh, uh, kind of fine-tuning balance sheets and sort of uh, going back and scrolling through some of the numbers, by and large, markets are forward-looking and, uh, uh, you know, kind of fixated on, on the crop that uh, farmers are taking off and then how we're going to divvy up a smaller pile here through the rest of the year. And finally, um, any, any thoughts on harvest? We're about halfway done here in, uh, in Manitoba now. Yeah, you know, probably the word that we often hear is is variable, and uh, that's kind of been uh, maybe the the storyline through much of the summer. I mean, everybody knows how dry it is. Uh, Everybody's expectations are considerably lower from maybe what they were going into the growing season. Uh, One of the challenging things is is that uh, we know there's areas that are just utterly devastated. Uh, There's other areas where uh, it's maybe uh, not quite as bad, and uh, and and sometimes those areas are not very far apart, so you, you get real variability. In, uh, in, in yields from what we've been hearing. And so uh, we know the average yield will be considerably smaller, uh, just a little bit hard to get a great handle on uh, what portion of it are areas that are, that are uh, utterly a disaster, other ones that maybe uh, you know, are doing a little better and, and sort of parsing through that. So uh, you know, farmers are, are, uh, are, are taking off a smaller crop. We know that. Just, uh, just hard to, to know exactly how much smaller and, and something I think that you know, everybody's sort of watching, watching closely as the combines keep rolling. That was John Drieger with Leftfield Commodity Research recapping this morning's Statistics Canada July 31st stocks report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. According to Stats Canada, as of July 31st, total stocks of canola decreased 48.6% to 1.8 million tons, their lowest level since July of 2017. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. That is a number that was substantially above what uh, what, what the market was, was looking for. Uh, down quite a bit from last year, but still much higher than, than folks were thinking. Certainly, we all know how high canola prices have been. Uh, we know buyers have been aggressive, uh, aggressively trying to, to get canola out of farmers' bins. And uh, according to StatsCan, there's pro- you know, they would suggest there's more canola on farm at the end of July than I think is likely. So that number is maybe a little overstated. The decrease in canola was a result of lower on-farm stocks, which fell 50.3% to 1.1 million tons. Commercial stocks fell 45.6% to 704,000 tons. The drought this year had an impact on many Manitoba beekeepers. Mark Friesen is a beekeeper in the Morden area. We are, are definitely in a situation where this time of year, when there isn't any flowers blooming, that really limits the bees' ability to collect pollen and they need to build up their stores for the winter. In certain areas, and I'm not saying that's all areas around Morton, we've had quite a bit of a, a, dry, a dry stretch. We're going around trying to make sure that they have some supplements for the, just to hold on for the winter. Last week, Manitoba Agriculture Minister Ralph Eichler said the government is aware of the situation facing beekeepers and is reviewing options for support. And the Conservative Party of Canada has outlined its agriculture platform for the upcoming federal election, candidate John Barlow says international trade will be a key focus. 
We want to open new markets for livestock, grain, oilseed producers, some of the amazing products that that we're developing and processing here in Canada. We have seen um, the failure of the Liberal government and the impact that has had on our access to critical markets like India, like China, like uh, the European Union, where we have not been able to take advantage of free trade agreements in place or failed to be able to negotiate new free trade agreements. Uh, And failures within uh, the COSMA, where we want to remove the the limits on Canadian exports of powdered milk to third-party countries. Other priorities for the Conservatives include reforming the Business Risk Management Program, modernizing the Canada Grain Act and the Canadian Grain Commission, and coming up with a compensation package for supply-managed operations as a result of trade agreements that have been signed. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture will be hosting a National Agriculture Leaders Debate online tomorrow night. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Wednesday, September 8th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the Green Party of Canada and talk about the upcoming federal election. As the federal election draws closer, we are continuing with our look at the agricultural platforms of the various parties. Today, Glendalee Allen Vossler chats with Dr. Maria Rodriguez, the agriculture critic for the Green Party. Maria, of course, the federal election coming up. Tell us about your party's agricultural platform, if you will. Uh, yes, uh, Glendalee, uh, thanks for having me. Um, the, yes, our platform today uh, for this election, we are trying to um, uh, address the long-term challenges of this sector as long as the short-term. So, as you know, 2021 has been a very challenging year for many producers. Um, as we have seen the last couple of months, Canadian agriculture has been under threat. Scientists, uh, you know, as we at the Green Party, we cannot expect this was going to happen because scientists have been warning us for decades that climate change will uh, cause extreme weather events and they will become more prevalent. And this year, all these unprecedented droughts, unprecedented heat waves, fires, etc. This is something that uh, has been predicted by scientists. And of course, they um, they are threatening um, our agriculture. So, um, as you know, um, agricultural food systems are by nature, very vulnerable to these environmental and economic risks. And, and at the same, they're strategically vital for countries that we all need to eat. So uh, in Canada, as same as elsewhere, this system receives significant policy support from government. And this policy support comes in the form of an array of subsidies, incentives, transfers, etc. And this is a very powerful tool because you would, were transferring support to certain things rather than others. So what the kind of systems we have is very uh, dependent on this policy support, and this is a powerful tool that can tip the scale and determine which system prosper and which decline. So a core pillar of our platform is what we call the green shift. In Canada, we have seen that the orientation of the federal government policies past and present, with some exceptions, it, it has contributed to the trends that we have been observing in the sector, you know, decreased farm number, increased farm size, and this shift to more industrial systems that often they are in many cases controlled by large 
large transnational agribusiness, and, and these systems have benefited for many years from these taxpayer-funded policies. Everything from investment in research, from infrastructure, market development, etc. And and what what we want to do is to quantitatively shift this incentive because this this intensive systems based on crop monocultures, intensive livestock operations, high inputs, etc. Uh, we believe that they are more vulnerable to weather extremes, to pests, to economic risk, labor disruptions, etc. And it's usually the farmer at the bottom who's bearing the brunt of these risks, the risks are transferred to the farmer. So we think that we have to address the system vulnerabilities. And the idea is to restructure policies and programs such as those things are balanced out. Um, uh, we want to shift program dollars. Uh, I, we know that the current governments have realized, for example, that we need to farm in ways that uh, are um, kind of sequester more carbon in the in the soil, prevent the decline of organic matter in the soil, and they're kind of giving some incentive to the system through the national food policy. There are some incentives given to local uh, development of local or regional shorter um, supply chains, et cetera. And, but if you look at the numbers, the dollars of investment in this kind of thing, they're still, they're still biased toward the most, the more export-oriented sectors with some exceptions, like the supply managed sectors. So we think that by shifting these incentives, we are going to achieve systems that are more resilient. And that includes policies such as, um, for example, uh, all the research and development and infrastructure investments around uh, uh, more diversified cropping systems, shorter value chains, etc. And of course, we also want to in in incentivize uh, animal welfare uh, and have systems that are more humane in the way we raise livestock, and uh, we fully support uh, the, the concept of the national food policy that is currently in place, but we think that we need to strengthen many, many parts of it and uh, continue to support the changes to the Canada uh, to the Canada Food um, Guide as well. That was Dr. Maria Rodriguez, agriculture critic for the Green Party of Canada, chatting with Glenda Lee Allen Vossler about the upcoming federal election. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture will be hosting a national egg leaders debate online tomorrow night. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture will be hosting a National Agriculture Leaders Debate tomorrow night starting at 6 p.m. Go to the CFA website for details. 4-H Manitoba's 2021-22 season kicks off this month with 130 clubs throughout the province. If you are 6 to 25 years old and would like to join a club near you, contact the Brandon office at 204-726-6136 or visit online at 4h.mb.ca. 
And Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is holding an introduction to Holistic Management Mondays beginning October 4th and running until November 8th. These online sessions will be held from 6 to 7 p.m. Registration is required. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, joining us now is Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Crop Alliance to give us an update on the province's corn crop. It's looking decent. It's getting a lot closer to maturity now. So um, I'm estimating that stages range from about, um, you know, just forming a milk line. Um, I've seen some fields that are actually at black layer physiological maturity. So um, that's exciting to see. Fields are uneven, though, of course, so they'll need a little extra time to mature fully and dry down to a consistent moisture level. Um, some glant, um, so, some corn plants are staying a little greener longer than expected, especially in the shorter areas, which we would kind of expect them to dry down quite quickly because of their size. Um, but they're starting to fire off a little bit on the bottom leaves, but generally it's, you know, the plants are hanging on a lot longer than we were expecting to see them or than I was expecting to see them. Um, I'm noticing a little bit of gosses wilt um, after the recent rains, so that'll encourage the plants to dry down if they're having a, an issue <laughs> holding on to the greenness a little bit. And then I'm also seeing some holcus spots in some fields, so that's just some spotting on the leaves, which um, you know a producer or agronomist will notice pretty quickly if they, if they see it in the field. But generally not something to worry about, but do keep an eye on it um, to see how it's spreading in the field. And I guess how's the uh, yield potential looking? Certainly will be below average. Um, some fields actually look quite beautiful, depending where you are in the in the province. Um, southwest Manitoba is pretty promising. Even uh, the northern areas at Half Corn um, got lots of rain and are, are looking really really nice. Uh, so that's promising and a, and a good a good change for those areas. But of course, everywhere else is um, just patchy. I think that it's important now for a producer to be start doing some yield estimates or getting their agronomist to do them for them, um, which is simple if you don't know how to do it. It's an, a very easy uh, Google search or even on our, our blog we have some information on it, but it just takes about half an hour of time. And, of course, the more spots you measure, the more accurate you'll be uh, without um, being completely accurate, I suppose it's still an estimate. So I'm encouraging guys to do that just to get an idea of what those lower areas are doing and what the the high potential is. Is frost going to become an issue? or? So it's not just yet. I mean, just because the forecast is still looking pretty good, um, a lot of the province is still in the dense stage, and we would like to see another month of no frost, if that's possible, just to get the grain filled as much as possible. Um, of course, we'll see what happens. But generally, every day without frost right now is a great thing, of course. Um, the more the more dented the corn is just visually, um, the better off we'll be. So we do we definitely need more time. I mean, we don't want next week to to get frost, but we're in a better a better situation than I think well than I was thinking we would be. So that's positive. And for uh, sunflowers, I've noticed those are turning as well. Uh, what stage are they at? Yeah, I'm generally estimating them to be at R7 or R8. So R7 is when the backs of the heads are still green. R8 is when they are starting to yellow, but the bracts aren't turning brown yet. So that means they're not ready for desiccation. Um, so that's good timing for us. They still, of course, need more time. But, of course, um, filling is 
occurring quickly now with nice weather and sunshine. Um, so just something to, to be watching very closely because it could turn quite quick if we get those hot temperatures this week. Um, so one thing that I'm really concerned about mostly now with sunflowers is I'm just still seeing some lagus bugs um, in some fields, which will um, dig into the seed a little bit and do some quality damage, especially in convection. And, of course, grasshoppers are, are still feeding on the heads, um, and blackbirds are are showing up nicely, too. So that's always a concern. I guess when would you expect um, harvest to start on, on either of those crops? Um, silage corn, is that a little bit earlier? Yeah, I've seen some fields that have been silage already, and they're, that's all over the map this year just because of the size and and what producers are choosing to do with that silage. Um, because there's such little grain in some of those fields, so they've taken it off early. Um, but right now, you know, mid-September is pretty normal for silaging to begin, so um, that'll be just around the corner. Um, grain corn, I wouldn't—I'll be surprised if I see much going off before October. Um, and sunflowers, I would estimate end of the month as well at their earliest. But we'll see. That was Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Crop Alliance, updating us on the province's sunflower and corn crops. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba Agriculture says harvest completion across all regions of the province has now reached the halfway mark. Soil moisture has rapidly improved in nearly all areas of Manitoba, with the top 30 centimeters of soil showing conditions as optimal to wet based on field capacity. Canola regrowth has become a harvest issue in a number of fields. Limited fall tillage has begun. Many producers are waiting to conserve moisture and target maximum volunteer regrowth instead of tilling twice or choosing to do a burn-off instead. Substantial rains have meant that hay and pasture land has now greened up, and livestock producers are intensively managing regrowth areas to support fall grazing. Stats Canada released its July 31st crop stocks report this morning. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. The numbers came in a little higher, I think, than folks were expecting uh, in terms of, of at least what Stats Can reported. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone knows how high prices have been, how tight the market has been. And so I, with, with that, I think most analysts were looking for maybe some smaller stocks numbers, at least uh, in terms of the official data. Stats Can did come in a little bit higher. Uh, you know, in some cases, not dramatically. So, for example, in something like, like wheat and, and oats, uh, couple of those crops, uh, the cereals, uh, a little on the higher side. Meanwhile, stocks of canola decreased 48.6% to 1.8 million tonnes, their lowest level since July of 2017. The Conservative Party of Canada is reaching out to farmers heading into the September 20th federal election. Here is candidate John Barlow. Reforming the business risk management programs, particularly agri-invest and agro-recovery. Modernize the Canadian Grain Act and the Canadian Grain Commission. And within the first 100 days, we will come up with a compensation package for uh, supply-managed operations as a result of uh, trade agreements that have been signed. Marlowe says international trade will also be a key focus for the Conservatives. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture will be hosting a national agriculture leaders debate tomorrow night online. And the lack of rain earlier this summer had an impact on many beekeepers. Last week, Manitoba Agriculture Minister Ralph Eichler said the government is aware of the situation and is reviewing options for support. Mark Friesen is a beekeeper in the Morden area. If they do come up with something, that it would be something to just supplement our extra feed costs when we when we have to go around and feed extra supplement because the bees can't access those flowers that they that they might have been able to access other years. 
I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll hear from the NDP party and talk about the upcoming federal election. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.